buckle up, Omri. It's about to get bumpy. Hell yeah. Let's do <laughs> it. <laughs> We're expecting a smooth flight, but uh, you know, you never know. Chaos is inevitable, as in construction. So I want to ask you right out life. the gate. Yeah, tell me about your life growing up as a construction kid. Oh, my life as a construction kid. So thinks I think people think that it, it has some glory spots. Um, it doesn't. <laughs> it's dusty. Uh, no, but no, but now seriously, I think I got to see a world that people usually don't see and only see the after effect, which is cool. Imagine walking into uh, a car when it's being built, sitting in the car seat, but the car is being built around you. So I think growing up in the industry, seeing the different parts coming together and seeing the building from the inside while it's being constructed made me first appreciate the people working in this industry, all levels from the project manager to the lowest uh, uh, person in the chain of command in the the working environment. And second, understand that it's an art and the people that are working in it are very talented and of course, technology has a lot to affect it and make it better, um, but it has a lot of things that uh, are very exciting and um, incredibly challenging. And, and as time goes by, you'd expect it to be easier, but it isn't. It's, it's even getting more difficult. Welcome to the EBFC Show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Bosch Refine My Site is a cloud-based construction collaboration platform that applies lean principles to enable your entire team to plan, communicate, and execute in real time. It's the digital tool that works in tandem with your last planner system process and puts it all together in one simple collaborative ecosystem system. This easy-to-use platform is available in English, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and French and can be used on desktops, tablets, and mobile devices. According to Spencer Easton, Scheduling Manager at Oakland Construction, Refine My Site, in my opinion, is the best, leanest tool on the market for the last planet system. Here's what our users have to say. We've looked at three other digital scheduling platforms and none compare to the straightforward approach Refund My Site takes. From milestone planning all the way down to daily tasks, this program gives every general contractor and their trade partners meaningful collaboration, accountability, and KPIs. Register today to try Refund My Site for free for 60 days. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Welcome to the show, Omri Sorak. Omri, it is my pleasure to have you on the show and to share your stories. You are a construction aficionado like myself, we just can't help but be involved in this game of building things and making it easier and better. I can't wait to get into your story, so we're going to go right to it. People, if you want to learn more about Omri, check the show notes below 
We'll have links to him on LinkedIn as well as his company, Trustor, so that you can go deeper into learning more about him. But we're going to jump right in. So Omri, as we were kicking the show off, you're talking about what it's like to grow up in construction. One of the things that really drew me in that I had to have you on the show, besides amazing friends that we have in common that made this happen. Thank you, Adam. Correct. Thank <laughs> right? you, Adam. Thank you, Adam. I also want to say that you know, you've experienced so much and I'm sure so many family dinners, vacations, car rides, you talked about the frustrations of construction. Can you share with me some of the things that you saw oh, as a course. common theme growing up as a kid that's frustrating in construction that led you to get involved in trust or and kind of leave behind your legal life, which I saw in your bio. You've got some uh, some cool yeah. legal experience. It's cool to see you in a black box right now, too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm making it my new office. It's like the yeah, new office. It office. is so cool. Uh, uh, wow. So going back to basic, um, when I grew up, the conversation at a Friday dinner with my grandfather, with my uncles, everyone is a part of the industry. And I think some of them took a more design perspective, some of them more on the execution on site. And seeing the different angles of the working environment and the process itself that is construction made me realize, I think at the age of 12, probably when I was like doing my second year uh, summer vacation working in one of my dad's construction sites, Understanding that this working environment has special features that no other industry has. Something about the people working in it, the heavy machinery and, and the dust and everything going everywhere. <laughs> and from one end being super rough and, 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 and heavy duty, but on the other, you'd see the fine art of people uh, finishing something and it looks incredible and it looks so natural. Like it, that's how it should be and how it always have been, but you understand how many hours people invest into it. Um, so growing up in family dinners and, and, and being surrounded constantly by, by construction, I understood that this environment has its challenges, had, has its difficulties, but also so many opportunities to be uh, um, explored and, 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 and even taken into advantage and by integrating technology. So although I went to law school um, and I did my, I have a, um, a degree in business with a specialty in real estate and technology, I never took a step away from construction or real estate. I always kept myself around it. Um, and I think the people that I grew up on their knees and around them and, and seeing them gave me a lot of perspective around them. Yeah, that's incredible. Amre, I was recently talking to a group of graduate students at San Jose State University here in California. And in the Q&A, we were sharing some changes and trends in construction. One of the grad students said, with almost like incredulously, could not believe, he said, with all the technology we have, and all the tech we're learning about in school, why do people have to use methods like last planner system or pool planning? Why can't technology just solve our problem? And I polled the audience. I said, how many people are working currently for a general contractor or in the industry? And 
more about two dozen out of the total class put their hands up and i said who's not using technology and everybody put their hands down everybody's using it and i said now who's had who's had like exponential improvements on their projects and then one of the smart kids because this is graduates these are graduate kids omri they said what do you consider exponential (laughs) so i said (laughs) i was like any any schedule improvement or budget enhancement that's in excess of We'll set the bar between 10 to 20%. I'll listen to a 10% story. That's not like amazing, but 20% story. And yeah. we talked about what that was. We did the math with the kids and with their young adults and nobody had not a single example, multiple internships, multiple companies, household names, companies you'd recognize just driving around any major city. You see their banners on buildings everywhere. And there are no examples of this. And I told the class I said, this is why we have to look at process with technology. The technology has to support. I love the name of your company, Trustor. What, what's the background and how it got its name? So when we started the company, also my co-founder and I sat down together and we said, okay, now we need to find a super cool name, but it has to be cool and understandable. So we hit the cool, but the understandable, it's only for people that are actually uh, uh, walk through it. So a truss, a T-R-U-S-S, is the geometric shape of three beams supporting each other. And as much pressure you apply to one of them, the other two become stronger. So that was the concept behind that. And the T-O-R at the ending is from monitoring, basically creating a super structure um, and a super strong structure that supports the working environment, that supports the people on the one hand, but also provides information and, and bridges the informational gap to the offsite people, to the corporate itself, to the COO, to the chief engineer, to the designer, their architects, whomever, every stakeholders in, in the, a stakeholder in the industry basically gets a part of it. So that's how we came up with the name. Um, it's it's so funny you should mention technology. I just had a, a conversation a couple of weeks ago with uh, with a dear friend, and I told him how incredibly uh, sophisticated the generations have become. Because when uh, Revit came into the picture and and, and designing uh, software came into the picture, my grandfather didn't trust him, and he made sure that the calculations that the computer did are right. My father's company put in CRMs and and ELP systems and basically different systems to control the corporate itself. And they started leaning on technology on a corporate level, but less on on a side level. And today, my younger sister, who's a side engineer, and her her husband as well, two different sides, by the way, super funny family. um, (laughs) They rely on technology in their everyday life. So I think there's a part of trust that is coming into play and people relying on technology as part of their everyday life. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, and I think it's worth sharing some examples about the analytics. I saw on your website that you do provide insights in the data. I think Correct. a lot of companies might not, and people listening to the show, you might not realize how much data your construction project site is generating every single day. It's just mountains of data. I can't even get a good analogy for what it is. Maybe uh, Omri can help me with that. But among all of that data, there are these, these things that, that people experts can see trends and insights that you don't otherwise see when you're just in the mix, in the flow. And so I think it's, it's worth sharing like 
What are some of the insights that your customers have had like aha moments where they see something in their data and it causes them to spark a change? So I think when looking at our system and looking at our product, we created a three-layer uh, informational product and, and we'll touch the insights as part of it. The first thing that we did, and that's the first Eureka moment or the aha moment our clients have is then when they open our dashboard and all of a sudden they see exactly where everyone is, what activities are they performing, what tools and equipment they're using. So the first one was the real-time status of the site. On top of this information layer, you can take it to efficiency and look at the level of completion of certain activities and how many resources were allocated for that specific activity. And on the other, you can look at the safety world, both behavioral and environmental uh, um, regulations that the system automatically looks for. We always say that a safety manager in the working environment basically runs around looking for problems. We taught a computer to do so. So the first layer, um, on average, produces roughly 300,000 data points per day, wow. which is incredible. There you go. There's so, that mountain. I told you people, the yeah. number was very high. We, we say it's up 300,000 snapshots every day. So to, to, to understand how big the, 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 the informational uh, um, produces, the second layer of the information that we created is we basically took the last planner concept that you mentioned before, but we wanted to take it to the next step. And we actually created a last planner that is being fed by the actual uh, resource allocation on site. So it's a smart last planner that sees the progress of certain activities. So it's not only scheduling, but it's informative in terms of understanding how the activity is being progressive. The last layer, and this is where the insights come into play the most, is the summaries and the analysis. And this splits into two. The Real-time one is basically at every given point of time, you can log into our system and see summaries like how many people were on site, any critical issues that the scheduling had, uh, and analysis of safety. The second part was actually a byproduct that uh, Ofer and I had to create because when we founded the company, we went online, like every other founder, looking for information, McKinsey, BCG, uh, Deloitte, every data source that we could find that will tell us the story of a working environment. What are the real numbers of productivity in the working environment? Everyone yells out different numbers, but no one can actually verify them. And when we started digging and having that informational sources, we connected the dots. All of a sudden, we provide our clients with a quarterly analysis saying, hey guys, these are the critical issues. And you said something that to you and me sounds obvious, but it's critical to understand. Insights is the definition of information that has been chewed, analyzed, looked into, and identified the critical th things that people need to know. It's not pouring the vast amounts of data over uh, engineers and, and site management's head because they'll get lost in Excel sheets. It's, it's monumental amounts of data. We need to extract the essence of each of them and provide them with those insights. We call them construction intelligence. Those are the action items, what to do in order to improve efficiency and safety. No, absolutely right. I mean, I've, I've worked with uh, teams that have done self-reform, just concrete, for example, and their estimate might generate 
a spreadsheet that could be when you print it out on eight and a half by 11 paper or international paper size, a four. See, I, yeah. I do, I'm a nerd, man. I'm, I'd like to nerd <laughs> out when, when it prints out on the a four, the, the report the spreadsheet can be about 22 to 30 pages long on a job of self-performed concrete that only lasts a year, 12 months. And that type of information is almost noise to the people that have to go execute that work. It's too many, too many codes. It's not, it's just like you said, it's pouring the data on people and they don't necessarily know or get trained how to action it. Mm -hmm. One of the things that, that we did in to make that a better process is to actually walk through those 20 plus pages with the, what you say in Europe, the site superintendent or the site supervisor, the site manager here in the United States, we say the superintendent and, and the project manager. And we said like, what, what do we need to look at? Like we asked, we asked the superintendent, like, based on your experience, what are the important things of these 30 pages? What's important? He said, yeah. all the big ticket things. So the very large where, where people can put a lot of hours and time. And when we looked at just those activities, we filtered simply just a simple filter. It was a handful of codes, a handful of tasks. And when we managed that handful, the rest of it worked itself out. And so I think, you know, that the human part of the experience part, you're generating insights for the project teams, as well as corporate. What's an example, if, if you have any, where corporate saw something in the insights and it made them take a deeper look or change something in their process? Oh, um, I have two great examples. So the first one was um, after analyzing the last planner, basically we looked at the work sequencing. Now, at the end of the day, a construction site is a production line, but instead of producing a product, it is the product. Yeah, I just want to stop you right there for one second. Omri, what you just said is gold. I want to, I'm going to say one more time. I'm going to repeat what you said for everybody. Omri said at the end of the day, a construction site is a production site. And I cannot agree any harder than to jump out of my chair, Omri, and say, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is because we're producing something. Yeah, the product yeah. moves around. The people move around the product. Whereas in an assembly line, people often get confused exactly. with thinking of production the materials move and the people stay nearly still. So thank you. Just got excited there. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I completely agree. Every time I tell, by the way, if people not from the industry and every time we tell them that they go like, huh, you're right. It's it, it, it hits them. And it's like, Oh, right. It, it is a production. And so I think it, it hits people outside of construction easier too. Like people easier. in construction will fight you. I've had, arguments yeah. with executives about calling it a production system. And now I work at a, at a company, the bolt company, where we just call it the bolt production system. And we have made a system with inputs, outputs, feedback loops, and improvements exactly. built in. Yeah. Love once it. you understand, once you understand that it, it's a, it's a production site that produces itself and it needs the uh, um, points of engagement and it needs the points of monitoring and understanding the process and analyzing it after effect before the effect analyze and, and provide the information so you can improve it and 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 going back to your question so the first thing that we did we actually looked at the work sequencing and looked at the different activities that are being performed in the working environment and we saw by a b testing basically 
if switching two different activities that were are related to tiling and paint, how much time would be saved? And by doing so, we saved about three and a half days per month for that specific uh, uh, construction site. So that was one eureka moment, because when we say three and a half days of, 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 of building, that's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, per project, which is incredible. The second one is even easier, an elevator. When you understand how many people wait and how long do they wait for the lift in a construction site and how it's being operated, you get every time you get surprised that the building is actually built. It's very frustrating. It's the only, and, 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 and I would say the primary line of trans, basically of transportation inside the working environment. Right. And it's so unproductive, not because of the people, because of the fact. We showed them that on an average uh, specific group of, 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 of trades use the elevator 34% of their daily uh, duration on site. So if they work for 10 hours, about three and a half hours per day is being spent waiting for the elevator or waiting inside the elevator. Wow. And what we did, we provide them with three action items. A, for that specific group of trades, which was the HVAC and the uh, uh, high voltage electricians, bring their materials the day before, when it's downtime, when the elevator is not under rush hour. So when they come in, you only convey people. That saved 50% of the time. The second thing that we did, we said, if you bring another lift, it will cost you probably around $35,000, $40,000. You will save $120,000 per fiscal quarter. Wow, that's amazing. The CFO, the CFO was mind blown. This specific company from that project on, every project has two elevators. <laughs> Simplicity. Simple. You don't have to go build the opposite, build from the top down. Go simple. Buy another elevator. It will make it worth it, your while. <laughs> yeah, I love that, uh, that payback calculation you're using. I can't help but be reminded of a story from Elihu Goldratt, Dr. Goldratt, uh, who famously wrote The Goal. And he talked about at the end of the book, when you listen to the audiobook, there's a bonus chapter where he tells a story about a, a production factory where they're making something and talking about lifts and batch sizes and the cost of a taxi. And it's a great story for anyone who hasn't heard. I highly recommend check out The Goal and listen to Dr. Goldratt's bonus chapter at the end where he talks about explaining as eloquently as Omri did. I imagine almost the same accent, how the company could invest in, they could buy a taxi to transport the people and the savings they would get by making it easier for people to, to be transported would have paid or would pay dividends to them in their production area, uh, working multiple shifts. And it definitely does. And I think a lot of people, Omri, don't have, they don't have the space in their site to make that type of calculation and see like, what does it cost me, right? And sometimes people are highly prioritizing resource efficiency. And then example, people are like, we wanna have this one lift, lifts are expensive. You know, people, they assume we already have the people on the job, so they don't, they don't take care of that resource, the human beings that have to move and make everything happen. Everything happens through the people. I love that everything. you prioritize the people first and, Super appreciate that. You said you had two stories. What's the second story? So the second story was uh, um, actually 
when we wanted to understand how can we make um, the life of a safety manager easier. We understood that every beginning of day and end of the day, the construction site specific safety manager has to go and scan the entire building. This was a 55 stories building. I think in terms of footprint, probably around 400, 350,000 square foot. It was a massive. That's huge. Site. And the guy had to walk the entire site every day. And people don't understand it. <laughs> when the site safety manager goes to one point, he can duplicate himself and be in another point and actually no. making sure that people are uh, being briefed or taking care of the safety equipment, et cetera. So what we created is the walk-in path. You need to know where people are and you need to go to areas that activities have been performed. So if you have an area that wasn't visited for the past 24, 48 hours, you don't need to go there. Nothing has happened. No one is supposed to go in there and no one should go in there. So the system basically locks that area as a non-authorized area to be entered. So if anyone comes in, the system will inform you. And all of a sudden, we cut back on the safety manager's walk-in time by about, I would say, 50 to 60%. But what's more interesting is that the unattended safety uh, uh, incidents, um, specific locations, were reduced by almost 100%. E had the ability to go everywhere he was needed. Um, the after effect of everything is the fact that today, construction sites with Truster from a global average of two and a half hours for a safety event, integrating the system brings it down to 45 minutes. Shorter safety events, people are alive, safety standards go higher. So that's the the, the easier number uh, yeah. to, to understand. That's beautiful, shrinking that time down. I, I was thinking as you were telling that story, I've never seen anything that could meaningfully tell you where not to, where action's not happening, the yeah. not, yeah, the no, I won't, you know, no, I won't go there, don't need to go there. Because a lot of times the schedule, people say, people are listening to the show and they're thinking, well, just use the schedule to tell you. No, the, sometimes mm. schedules are so inaccurate. Uh, people will go, something gets jammed up, there's a conflict, yeah. they have to do something else, they go somewhere else. But your system's got eyes and ears all over Everyone. the site. I love it that it, your system is filtering to tell people, here's your path. And it's, it'll give you an alert if uh, yeah. people are in areas they shouldn't be. And I think in a, especially in a high rise building, 400 plus thousand square feet, there's going to yeah. be more area unoccupied than occupied. Than, than, than occupied completely, completely. Yeah. And, and people tend to forget, but well, as you said, if you have conflicts or you have a bottleneck or you have overstaffing of specific trade in a specific area, the subcontractors by themselves will try to push things forward or, completing activities that they haven't completed, even if it's out of, of the schedule and not necessarily informing the foreman or the, the construction superintendent and not the entire working environment is aware of the fact. Having those eyes and ears everywhere puts everyone into a safer situation, into a, an understandable situation. Um, in one of the sites that were actually uh, deployed, um, there was a, a New York fire department uh, um, I'm guessing casing where they tried to, they had a test there and they came in and they told him, what's the best time that you've seen a building being evacuated? And they answered that the quickest that you've seen similar buildings was about 50 minutes to make sure. 
He asked him, if I do it in 25, <laughs> would this mean that you won't come here for the next six months? He told him, if you can do it in 25, I'm coming in next week to show the guys how it's done. Um, <laughs> 23 minutes later, everyone's out, and the system says, building clear. Check. Done. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So That's that was incredible. Fun. Yeah. yeah I've seen, uh, yeah, even smaller buildings. Like, I we had a, the last time I was managing a site, it was about 85,000 square feet. I'll tell you right now, even the building, three stories and two basement levels, we could not evacuate that in under an hour. No, that it's, it's so complex people. If our listeners are sitting now in a building, try to think how many people are in your building right now. No one knows. And it's the same for construction. So, and, and people say, yeah, what's the problem evacuating? You have no clue who's there. Where is he? Yeah. Even with a, a gate yeah. system, because some sites will do a gate system where you have to badge in. You still mm-hmm. don't know once people are inside the fence and the, and the, I tell people like construction sites are even with gates, they're more like sponges that are constantly letting things in and out through the, through the, mm-hmm. the wall of the sponge, <laughs> like walls. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not secure. It's not like a, it's not a, a container so to speak and it constantly changes the, the things will change all of a sudden you have a shaft somewhere or you change you close the elevator shaft or you change the location of the elevator or you change the location of the stairs because those stairs are need to be uh, tested or the tiling needs to dry up but everything changes constantly so moving parts moving information everything needs to be dynamic and and, and accommodating for the working environment making yeah. people safer is, is critical I love that. On the on the examples where you've deployed Trustor and you've got project teams in place, have you seen anything in the data where it looks like the project teams are working less hours? Because in construction, as you know, growing up, I mean, long days are super normal. And when things get behind, the first knee-jerk reaction is to work overtime and to do more. They don't always think yeah. like, like you had that insight with the tile and the paint to make a, a process change that can save you massive amount of time. And that was for people listening that did the math, that was an exponential improvement that Omri shared greater than 10% of time savings, just changing the flow on the site. Have you seen anything in in site managers or project teams? Like what's, what's been some of their reactions using your system versus what their life beforehand? So let's break it up to two. First, let's take their everyday activities, like creating a work plan for the next two weeks, three weeks. Until now, some of the sites that we came into, most of them hasn't, haven't used last planners. So all of a sudden, bringing that ability made their life super easier because there's one source of truth. Basically, everyone implements information into the same place. When it changes, it changes for everyone. So you don't need to constantly reshare that Excel sheet or any or that uh, page with a picture saying, hey, guys, this is the work plan for the next week. So when it changes, it automatically changes on their phone, on their uh, scheduling, on their computer, whatever they use. So that was one saving substantial time for the site engineers and the superintendents that create the work plan. In terms of saving money, we see today that construction site, most of the construction site that we come into, um, the project management team is probably occupied 75% of his day dealing with issues that come up. So it's not pushing things forward. It's actually putting out fires. 
that happen while in duration, like the bottlenecks that we discussed before, or the overlaps or the delays in, in, in handoff for, for the following trade. Um, we do see that by using the system, we give them additional, uh, um, I would say additional time for managing the actual project and pushing forward. Um, I would say that today it hasn't shortened significantly the duration of a site uh, uh, team uh, time on site, but their time is more concise and more um, operational oriented and not putting out fires in the working environment itself. So they are still working too long uh, and very hard, uh, but they do it with, uh, with sense behind it. I still appreciate that. I think, I think yeah. that you, when you switch from, I've been on job sites where it's just constant firefighting. And then I've been on projects where we use tools like last planner system production controls to look ahead and create flow. And the feeling on those sites is night and day. It's the difference between yeah. being frustrated, uh, even getting into fist fights, which still happens on construction project sites where stress goes very high you know, versus your cell phone never rings and everything just happens according to plan smoothly. Those yeah. are the, the, the two big stark contrasts. So I think that lowering frustration, even if their hours haven't changed yet, is a yeah. good first step because now you can start to plan ahead. You can start to pull ahead. You can get engaged and, and make improvements or just sustain forward progress, you know, versus all the, the things that derail how projects get built like fire educated like said, firefighting yeah educated decision making work the system understand the flow go by your day by the way one thing that was critical when we created the product was even if not shorting the time spent on site we made it a rule not to create any additional overhead that was super critical and every technology company or every tech entrepreneur out there that wants to create a construction tech product do so it's a need i hope but don't create additional overhead for the teams on site it will be rejected it will be uh complicated and it they don't have the capacity to do more um so I think oh that's a very important question. Okay. Amri, that's that's one of those things again, like I gotta say it twice because that is beautiful. So it's almost like taking the Hippocratic oath and Amri saying, do no harm. If you're adding overhead to people already at nearly hundred percent capacity, you're harming them. So for everyone listening and you're thinking you're gonna implement something or deploy something, or like what do people always say? There's like a phrase, roll it out. There's this rollout yeah. mentality where you just layer on top of people that are already tired, exhausted, frustrated. He said, do not create more overhead. I know some technology solutions, Omri, where companies have to hire full-time administrators. And sometimes yeah. even they have to bring in developers, like a construction company having to hire developers to maintain software that they buy that when it was sold to them, it just plug and play and it works. And that's just not the case. And so I, I, I really appreciate that you're not adding any excess overhead for the people on site trying to execute the project so people can stay focused on building the projects, keeping the people safe, getting more flow in their life. Omri, what's the best place for people to find out more about your product, your company, the services and the projects you're working on? Um, first of all, 
go check out our website, www.truster.com um, and reach out. And we're always happy to talk to people, share our insights, share our information, whether you're a construction tech firm and you want to collaborate and you want to do things together, whether you are a student and you want to engage and you want to do a thesis together and you want to look into things and data, we're always happy to share and, and provide insights. And if you're a construction company and you want to boost your efficiency and safety standards and you want to do better construction let us know we're always happy to to share our insights and be a part of it oh i love that i love right you know from the students Avri knows where the future is coming in you know people in school yeah. people already working and I, I love that open transparency and, and willingness to share i think that's one of the key ways we're going to make the construction industry better is we have to start sharing and stop living in these silos where we're like a time capsule it's it's still 1960 productivity in construction and and people yeah. are not being drawn to the industry in big numbers anymore because the work is not as fun now no. i think the sites that you described they sound like fun sites to me like where you can even play with like real life firefighters and fire marshals yeah and and, and take bets on how fast we could get buildings clear i think that that's a totally different operating mindset than the everyday project where you're like oh no someone's coming they're going to make my life harder and it's like oh we're going to play let's dance yeah let's dance the firefighters when they saw that we know how to tell them where every fire extinguisher is you know like so he went to his boss he looked in do i really need to go check if they're there he said no if it's on the system let it go it's there it's like <laughs> oh go by a day i'm like i love it so, so i'm going to go back to my my grad school student friend at San Jose State and say technology and process. So yeah. those things together, it's not one or the other. And I think, you know, when you said your one of your rules for for why you formed the company and even the the name of the trust, how three things coming together make it stronger. Those those are your processes that are hidden that have guided your company in a certain way. Did you guys pull in last planner system like right away or did it come later? Uh, it came very naturally from the initial, initial stages of product planning. We at the beginning said, let's try to create an open source where everyone can pour their last planner. And that was the basics. But we keep uh, pushing ours and stronger and better and everyone can use it. We have sites. Uh, I'm not sure that we have uh, three sites today that are not big enough to integrate our system, but their developers, the, the people working in the company and the, the, the project manager was so excited that we tell them, you know what, you don't need to integrate the system. Just here, here's our last planner. You can use it. We'll extract data from it. We'll learn from it, how to improve, how to make our product better. You get free access to it. So even that just engaging with the industry, knowing better, understanding their needs and, and the, the things that are critical for them, it's crucial for, for the process itself. Beautiful feedback to make the whole thing better. Omri, it's been my pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so for, much. Yeah, you're welcome. Have a great day. People hit those show links and descriptions. And if you're watching and you're not subscribed yet, you can fix that with one tap. <laughs> Amri, are you do you consume a lot of YouTube or any YouTube at all? I I consume YouTube that I'm interested in, like basically seeing you, seeing other podcasts that I'm like super interested in and engaged. And of course, music while I'm driving. 
Of course. Yeah. You got to yeah. entertain people feed yeah. that whole spirit. It doesn't have to always be educational. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and truly a great honor. And please continue what exactly what you're doing, sharing uh, technology and sharing construction in every possible way. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build.